I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. As we begin to prepare for calving 2020, dairy specialist Martina Gormley asks the question, have you sufficient space in your existing calf rearing facilities? But first I asked her about the expected number of dairy calvings next year. So we're looking at nearly 1.5 million dairy calvings for 2020. So this is an increase of about 300,000 calvings since 2014. Now, 1.5 million dairy calvings may seem like a lot, but really we are only now back to the numbers uh, in terms of cow number, dairy cow numbers that we had in 1984. But the difference now is that these cows are being farmed on fewer farms, which is causing you know, an increase in workload and also putting pressure on facilities for some farms. When we look then in terms of the months when these cows are calving, we are seeing that the majority, just around a million cows are calving from January to the end of March. But really working with farmers on the ground, we can see that they really are putting a lot of work and planning in place in terms of, of catering for all the calves on the farm not just the, you know the extra calves due to increasing cow numbers but all the calves on the farm and and i i think you know you you've alluded to it in terms of the concentration of calvings so you know 1 million so you know 66% of these calves will calve in the first 3 months of the year and this is something that has been talked about in the media you know for several weeks you know putting uh, farmers under pressure, putting accommodation under pressure. Like, what, What's your take on that, Martina? So I think, Emma-Louise, we need to first look at, you know, the advantages in terms of, you know, compact calving. Um, so, you know, the, the, the ones that stand out to me are, are your solids, OK, in terms of, of achieving higher solids within the year. Replacements in terms of having more replacements and, you know, ease of heifer management is a really big one, a big benefit from compact calving. Lower feed costs and also I think what we forget sometimes is that there's going to be fewer weeks of calf rearing and also fewer weeks of watching cows calving down. So they're really beneficial advantages. So we're not just, you know, throwing out figures to to challenge people, it's because um, they're really beneficial. Now, I think we also need to look at the different calving patterns that are out there. And there's a, there's a few different combinations. But when you look at any calving pattern, it has the potential to be a nightmare if you're not prepared for it. And I think that's a really important point. So, for example, if we take a spring, you know, a, calving pattern that is spread out so you're going to have cows calving in may and june and and maybe in july as well so what this is going to do it's going to increase the risk of disease on farm because calves are going to be in sheds longer and it's also going to lead to burnout for many farmers because that you know of the increase in terms of the number of weeks they are uh, are calving cows and rearing calves then if you look at, I suppose, what some farmers have done is started calving pre-Christmas. Again, just another version of, of trying to, to reduce this, this peak calving. But in that scenario, what you're doing is 
you are increasing the work then in January and February. And what you're also doing is you're eliminating the, the opportunity or the time to prepare and plan ahead uh, for, for the calves that are coming. So I think when you weigh it all up uh, and you look at the different calf in patterns, really the most efficient option is compact calving. But it does come with health warnings, particularly around having sufficient accommodation uh, for calves. And also in terms of best practice, in terms of your heifer rearing. If, if we look at the farmers that have a high six week calving rate, what you'll see is that they will be quite busy in December and January because they'll be making changes to, for example, say pinning for calves. They will be reflecting back. They'll have that time to reflect back and look at, you know, what were the things that bugged them the year before? And they will be, you know, making some small changes that will help them for the calving season ahead. I, I think you've made some really good points there, Martina, particularly around, um, you know, looking back to last year or looking back over the last few years, you know, what didn't work? during the calving season and you know I think the comment has been made before um, you know the the people who are working on labour like yourself Abigail Ryan Marion Beecher would always say that you know it's a busy period it's a stressful period on farms and we do need to learn from what didn't work well in previous years and you you know you've identified it well too where you have a compact calving from say the 1st of February or, or that you know December January is a quiet period that gives you the opportunity to prepare I, th- I think for another aspect of what you've mentioned is compact calving, you know, concentrates the busy period. And for the operator, I think that's really important. You know, it's a lot easier to calve over a three month period than a six month period, you know, from the operator's perspective, you know, um, you know, reduce stress and, and burnout for the operator. And, you know, it's it's it's. um. It's a significant, um, um, you know, commitment for a shorter period of time. Uh, One thing you're mentioning when you talk about the concentration of um, calving Martina is the six week calving rate. So how are we there nationally? I know we're 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 increasing over the last number of years. So I think, Emma-Louise, a lot of people will be surprised at at the figure, the national figure at the minute. So it's 65 percent. So 65 percent of the cows are calving in the first six weeks. Now, this has only gone from, you know, an increase of 6 percent if you look back six years ago. So that's a 1 percent increase per year over the last six years. So we really are a long way from the target of of 80 percent. And and I think that would surprise a lot of people. However, what we need to look at within this average, there's there's going to be a range. So you will ha- will have some farms that will be calving cows, uh, it, you know, thirty percent of them in the first six weeks, and then you, of course, you're going to have the upper end of some farms that are that are pushing it out because of all the advantages, um, to eighty five percent or ninety percent. Um, so you know. I think an important thing to look at is is in terms of of the peak calf numbers then. OK, so if we take a hundred cow herd, OK, going from the national average figure, which is 65 percent to, let's say, 80 percent, that's creating a difference of around 15 calves 
okay and if you put that back in terms of accommodation again just depending on your depth of, of your pin but you're looking at a bay one bay or one bay and a half okay so i think we really need to put it into perspective and i think that this um, upgrade in terms of accommodation for all the benefits is is very achievable for many farms and and i see on the ground a lot of farms who have put this extra bit of accommodation in place in terms then martina i think you've made a really good point for every 100 cows increasing from the national average of a 65% six week calving rate up to the you know the target to your setting of 80 that's 15 calves um you know if we look at the national average herd there's about 90 cows in it so you're talking between 10 and 15 cows uh, you know in in that herd if we look then to calf housing and, and what you've been discussing what are the key principles for design of calf accommodation so there, there are a few different key principles, but I think if we if we focus on you know three principles in particular, uh, we we will you know design very good accommodation. So uh, I think firstly it's ventilation. So that's that's your inlet and your outlet in terms of air coming in and coming out of the shed, which is really really important. And then moving on from that is is it in terms of cleaning. So can the shed be mechanically cleaned? And, you know, if it can't, you're going to run into a situation where hygiene um, is going to be quite poor and hygiene is critical for calf rearing. So the accommodation has to be, you know, it, to be able, you know, you need to be able to mechanically clean the accommodation you have. And I think the, the third one then is the slope of the floor. So in, in you know the slope needs to be correct in order to allow uh, a fall for the runoff in order for the calf to, to have a dry bed. If you can't meet these three requirements, then really that accommodation shouldn't be counted. If you can get these three design principles right, you really are a long way there to having good accommodation that will allow for less calf health issues and, and therefore less labor. There are some really good examples of sheds out there that have modified in their sheds, their existing sheds to improve ventilation and, and reduce drafts. Some simple ideas that I see going from farm to farm would be things like, you know, opening out the side sheeting of the shed or, you know, adding a, a hinged board to the back wall of the shed where there's been drafts and the calf can lie in under that. And I really think at this stage, it's not too late to make changes and some small changes that don't cost much um, will greatly reduce calf health and, and labour on the farm for, for the calving season ahead. I think I think they're really good and, and basic practical points that you're making there, Martina, the ventilation. So, you know, air moving in and out of the shed, being actually able to mechanically clean the sheds. Like if, if it's a if it's a manual job, it's not going to be done as regularly. And then look a slope in the floor to, to allow for the runoff. Just in terms of, of looking at our, our existing calf calf housing facilities on farm you know if we just look at our own individual situations how can we calculate whether our calf housing is is sufficient or not okay so i think there's there's three main steps to this 
And, you know, they're quite simple steps, but they're really important to actually go out and physically do it. So I think number one is actually go out and measure uh, your current accommodation. So the length and, and the depth or, or the width of, of each of each uh, pin you have or, or, or the accommodation that's there. Then divide this figure, this total figure by 1.7 metres squared. So 1.7 metres squared is the recommended uh, calf space allowance uh, for calves and um, we need we we need to be given calves that space okay they're growing animals and and that is the minimum requirement from this then you need to you know have a look at your scanning results and you know roughly work out how many cows will have calved by the first week in March which is really what we're seeing on the ground is when a lot, when the peak calves uh, are on many farms and, and and in terms then of your, your first of March, realistically, you know, any of your surplus calves. So say if it's a concentrated dairy farm and, and you're not keeping any males, you know, they may still be on the farm at that point. Correct. Then, then if, if we take then a step further and, you know, last year, uh, some farms have piloted keeping calves uh, for longer on the farm, you know, say... I suppose the minimum period is 10 days, but keeping them keeping them longer on farms. Is this an option? OK, so we, we have looked at a few different herds on farms that are you know quite compact. So 80 percent plus in, in the first six weeks, just to see in terms of the age of calving on average, what difference does that make? So, again, if we go back to the 100 cow herd, and we look at a farmer who's selling his or her surplus calves at on average two weeks of age, okay, which is a very efficient. Um, and then a farmer who is, um, you know, selling his surplus calves at three to four weeks of age, there's going to be a 15% difference there, or again, 15 calves. Okay, so the farmer selling at two weeks of age on average his calves will need accommodation, peak accommodation for 55 calves, where the other farmer selling his calves at three to four weeks of age will need accommodation for 70 calves. Okay, so again, you're back to, you know, depending on the depth of, of, of the pins you have, but a bay, a bay and a half is, is what you're looking at there in terms of, of the difference. Um, so peak calf space requirement for just just for a rule of thumb to remember peak peak calf space requirement for 55 calves or it's 55% of your total cow numbers if you are selling your calves your surplus calves on average at 2 weeks of age whereas if you are selling your surplus calves for 3 to uh, 3 to 4 weeks of age it's 70% is the number you need from multiply that by your total cow numbers and you won't be too far off the mark. And, and I think too, like an, an important point there would be that, you know, um, people say, oh, I get the, the surplus calves off the farm at two weeks, but sometimes that can roll into two and a half or three weeks, um, d- you know, depending on where they're going, if, if, um, if a dry stock farmer is collecting them. So just to be conscious of that, that, you know, you might be looking for 55 calves, but that might roll into 60 calves, you know, d- depending on, on who you're dealing with. Absolutely. And Emma-Louise, you know, just just going back to the the number of farms that I would have, uh, you know, I suppose analysed their selling pattern and that. And before the analysis, when I would have spoke to the farmer and asked, you know, what do you think yourself in terms of on average age you're selling the calves? 
Um, they thought it was a lot less than what it actually were was uh, after the analysis. So that showed um, that calves were waiting on the farm longer for, for whatever reason. And it also showed that they did have some more accommodation probably there than they actually thought. And to take it a step further then, Martina, you, you know, you're looking at anywhere between 55 and 70 calves, depending on when we're selling our surplus. Is there any way to reduce this peak uh, calf accommodation number or requirement on farms? OK, so I suppose there is the perception out there that by not compacting your calving that you will reduce calf peak accommodation required. And this is true to an extent but it's only a very small reduction um, that comes with that. And, you know, as we spoke about earlier, you are missing out on all the advantages. So it really is an on runner. But I, I think, you know, if, if we if we firstly maybe look at when peak calf numbers hit most farms, you are looking at in around the first week of March. So it's very hard to reduce this peak because when you start having cows, we'll say in early February, you're going to be keeping your replacement heifers from your early calving cows. And in between those calvings, you will have your calves uh, that you will be selling. So while the minimum movement is, is 10 days at the minute, in reality, it's going to be the first week in March before you have a group of calves ready for sale. But the, the thing I would say now, you know, it's not too late, Emma Louise, you know, to, you know, do an audit of your calf accommodation, you know, and then use either the, you know, the guide of either 55% or 70% of your total cow numbers to determine your peak. And if there's a deficit there, now is the time to come up with a plan. And there is different options out there. And it's it's a matter of, you know, choosing, I suppose, the most suitable for your farm, uh, the deficit you have and I suppose the time frame you have as well. Super. Thanks, Martina. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Martina Gormley for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey, and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.